you for downloading another episode of the Pope Podcast. This is a special episode because it is a solo episode. I'm going to be taking some time today to share some things that God has been doing in my heart over these last several months. For those of you who have followed this podcast since its inception, know that early this year, I shared that I have been struggling with anxiety and depression for the last couple years. And launching this podcast has been something pretty significant in my life. And God has been teaching me a lot of things this year. So I've decided to take this episode and share some things that God has been doing in my life. So for the next half hour or so, I encourage you to listen and to follow in the scripture that I share and feel free to respond via email or via our Facebook page. There will be a link to that in the show notes. So as I begin, I'd like to share something that I actually shared a couple episodes ago when I did a summary of the ragamuffin camp that I attended a few weeks ago. About 10 years ago, after I had begun my new ministry, the current ministry that I'm involved in, I received a phone call from my friend Charlie, a local funeral home director. He called for help with uh, funerals, often for members of our community who didn't have a home, a church home. This time, the deceased was a young woman who had been murdered in the Badlands of North Philadelphia. I'm sorry that I cannot remember her name, but I will call her Brittany. Brittany was found shot to death on a sidewalk with track marks up and down her arms and a condom in her pocket. I met her grandmother when I arrived at the funeral home to conduct her service. Her grandmother told me that Brittany had also sold her baby for money to buy drugs just a week before she died. She didn't seem to have any affection for her granddaughter. She seemed to be there only because it was the thing to do. I think about 25 people attended her memorial service, and her service was one of the most difficult I had ever conducted. As I began to speak, it was as though an argument erupted inside of my head. One voice said things like this, This is the worst funeral that I have ever done. The way this young woman lived, selling her body and even her child to get drugs, is terrible. I can't believe that someone would live like this. Another voice began to argue with the first, saying, yes, this is a terrible situation. But did you care about Brittany? Or do you care for others like her? When did you ever take the time and make the effort to help her? Would Brittany feel welcomed in your church? What is your church doing to help people like her? What are you doing to help drug addicts and prostitutes? You don't really care about the Britneys around you, and neither does your church. You see, it was almost impossible to concentrate on what I needed to say, but somehow I got through it. And Britney's memorial service still haunts me today. It revealed how I am a total Pharisee. It exposed how I had become totally isolated from people like her and that I didn't care about people like her who suffer. You see, I was reminded and I have been reminded recently that Jesus loves the Britneys of the world. 
Jesus loves drug addicts and prostitutes and the poor and the broken. But what happens to people like us who attend church a long time is that we become isolated from broken people like them. You see, Jesus spent time with sinners. He loved them, and we are called to do the same. And Brittany's memorial service also exposed that I thought I was better than her, that somehow God loved me more than Brittany because I was a good person. But I was dead wrong. I was dead wrong. You see, I am just like Brittany. We are all her. We are all messed up and need Jesus and the gospel of grace just as much as Brittany did. You see, as I reflected on on that memorial service, what I came up with is this, that we seem to think there are different levels of people who experience God's love. There's level one, that is Jesus whom God loves because he's the son of God. Then there's level two, the level two people that God loves. That is the includes the disciples and the prophets and the special servants of God that we read about in the Bible. And then there seems to be a level three, us good people, you know, the people who attend church all of the time and do churchy things. And then there is level four. The level four is where the Britneys of the world live, where the addicts and the homeless and the prostitutes and the poor. That is what I seem to think about how God loved people. And then I realized that we deceive ourselves when we think this way. Because you see, we are all like Brittany. We are all in need of God's grace. You see, I was appalled when I learned about how Brittany lived and died, but I was even more appalled to learn about the Pharisee in me and all that God exposed in my life during her memorial service. You see, God loved Brittany. God was crazy in love with her. And he loved her so much that Jesus died for her sins, every one of them. Even though she was a drug addict, even though she sold her baby to get money for drugs, even though she was a prostitute, God loved Brittany. And I'm so sorry that she died most likely without ever knowing about God's scandalous love. God is also crazy in love with you. Even though you are messed up, you may not be a drug addict, but you are still a sinner. You probably didn't sell your baby to get money for drugs, but you are messed up in your own special way. You may not be a prostitute, but you need God's grace and mercy just as much as Brittany did. It doesn't matter what you've done. God still loves you and wants you to know and experience his grace and mercy and peace. I saw the other day on Twitter that Brian Loritz noted this. God's love is way more, God's way, or I'm sorry, God's got way more mercy than you have mess. God's got way more mercy than you have mess. This is the scandalous love of God. Remember our victory over Haystack Hill. It was us against the giants. We were both so scared, but we defeated Goliath and his drone.
I'd like to reflect a little bit as we continue on Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. Just as by way of a little bit of background to help you understand the background to this passage. I want to point you to Luke 14 because we read in Luke 14 that large crowds were now traveling with Jesus. And that's what it says in verse 25. It was clear to the Pharisees that Jesus enjoyed the company of sinners. And Jesus loved hanging out with sinners. And so when you come to Luke 15, verses 1 and 2, this is what it says. Now, while the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to listen to Jesus, so the Pharisees and scribes began to grumble. They said, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. The New Living Translation reads like this. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them, unquote. What was it about eating with them that was so offensive to the Pharisees? Well, Barnes in his commentary says this, that Jesus receives them, the sinners, in a tender manner. He treats them with kindness. He doesn't drive them from his presence. By eating with them, he showed that he did not despise or overlook them, unquote. And, you know, after eating with these sinners, which really tweaked the Pharisees, Jesus took it one step further. And in Luke 15, we have three different parables to emphasize the importance of reaching out to sinners and bringing them home to God. There's the parable of the lost sheep. There's the parable of the lost coin. And then beginning in verse 11, we have the parable of the prodigal son. Each of these parables describe the scandalous love of God. So, I hope you have your Bible and you're turned to Luke 15. And first of all, in verses 11 through 16, I want you to notice this about this parable. That God loves you at your worst. You see, as we read in Luke 15, verses 11 through 16, the younger son requested his inheritance from his father. He was apparently tired of living at home and wanted his freedom. So his father divided up his estate and gave half to his younger son. So the younger son took off for a journey to a far country, and there he engaged in reckless living. And the text says he squandered his property. One translation reads like this in verse 13. It says, It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything that he had. Before we look any further about the younger son, I have a question for you. How do you squander away what God has given to you? When you waste your opportunities to serve others, when you ignore your opportunities to help others, when you fritter away your time instead of using it for redemptive purposes, when you don't use your gifts and talents as God designed for you, when you don't fulfill the good works that God has planned for you. You see, we can all squander away the things that God gave to us, just like the younger son. We can be just as wasteful. So before you were too hard on the younger son, whom his father loved deeply, 
Examine yourself to see how you have squandered what your heavenly Father has given to you. And do so because your heavenly Father loves you deeply and he wants the best for you. You know, the older son certainly had an opinion about his younger brother squandering uh, the resources that his father had given it to him. If you drop, if you move ahead to verse 30, this is what he said. The older son said this, Then this son of yours who was thrown away your money on whores shows up and you go all out with a feast. He's pretty opinionated about his younger brother. You know, as you look at what the younger son did there, Ephesians 5.28 uses the same word to describe what the younger son did. And um, his reckless living, it is a word called debauchery. Debauchery is bad or immoral behavior that involves sex and drugs and alcohol. It is the extreme indulgence in sensuality. The younger son spent all of his money on prostitutes, and he did so without restraint. You know, to be restrained means that when you really want to do something bad and you know it's wrong, you keep yourself away from doing it. That's what it means to be restrained. But to be without restraint, restraint means that when you really want to do something bad and you know it's wrong, and you do it anyway. One author puts it this way, that self-restraint may be alien to the human temperament, but humanity without restraint will dig its own grave. And that's what the younger son was doing. Um, The New Living Translation translates a passage in the book of Psalms like this, a person with, or maybe Proverbs, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. You see, a city with broken down walls has no protection and can easily be invaded by the enemy and destroyed. So I think we can all agree that the younger son was pretty messed up. He had really screwed up his life. He had lived wild and free and was left with nothing. His inheritance was all gone. It was spent on prostitutes and even they were gone. He was all alone, but his father loved him. At his worst. Don't you remember? For you were slaves, we marched in our liberty. We went by our names. We were born under the shadow of our faith. I would like to move on down to Luke 15, verses 17 and 24. And the second thing I'd like for you to see in this parable is that God loves you even when you have lost everything. You see, God in his sovereignty sent a severe famine into the land, as we read in this parable. And the young man had to go to work after he spent his inheritance. He had lost everything, so he hired himself out to be one, hired himself out to a farmer And he ended up feeding the pigs. You see, this was the ultimate humiliation for a Jew to spend his day hanging out and feeding the pigs. I grew up on a farm. 
And my least favorite job, and the one that I hated the most, was feeding the pigs. I hated it because they would knock the bucket of slop all over the place when I tried to feed them. That was my least favorite job. My favorite job was when we butchered the pigs. They would come out the door one at a time, and we would shoot them right between the eyes. I realize for some of you that might be too much information. It sounds kind of violent, but how do you think pigs get to from the farm to the grocery store? Something has to happen. Well, this young man came to his senses when he realized the pigs lived better than he did. And God loved him deeply, even at this place in his life. And we know that because his father loved him deeply, even at this place in his life. So he decided he would return to his father. So he wrote out a speech to share with his father. And it went something like this. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am not worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. You see, this young man was broken. This arrogant, spoiled son was returning home, humbled. And he wanted to confess to his father and repent and tell his father that he wanted to be treated like a hired servant just so that he could get something to eat. So he started out on his journey home, and his father saw him coming a long way off. And the text says that he felt compassion for him and ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son started to give his speech, and his father interrupted him and said, let's have a party. And then the father gave these instructions. He says, put my best robe on him and put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let's celebrate. For my son who was dead, who was dead, is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. And they threw a party. And notice this. That God loves you even when you have lost everything. You see, I believe the father in this passage is God. And the younger son is every, any one of us who have drift, drifted far from God. This young man had squandered everything that he had on prostitutes. Yet when he was lost, when he lost everything and returned home, his father greeted him with open arms and threw a party. And that's what God wants to do for you because he loves you. He loves you when you have lost everything. Remember the stone wall between us and the rest When we tore it down, it was seen as a mess And the news reported through us And then digress The final thing that I would like for you to see in this passage, in this parable in Luke 25, or 15, 25 to 32 is that God loves you beyond imagination. And this is where God's love gets scandalous. You see, the older brother was out working when the party started, and he asked the servant what all of the commotion was about. And when he heard what his father has done, had done, he had become angry. Vincent's word study says the following about his anger. It's not with a mere temporal fit of passion, but as the word imparts with a deep-seated wrath. His father heard about his anger and came out and encouraged him to come into the party. 
The younger son refused and pointed out all the ways that he had been faithful when his younger brother wasn't. And he, went, he said this, Look, these many years I have served you, and I've never disobeyed a, a, a command of yours. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came, who has devoured our property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. My friend Paul Kofer, after I shared some of this on a uh, Facebook post recently, he shared these following observations about the older son. He said, the older son despised his father throwing a party for his younger brother. He despised his father for not throwing a party for him and his friends. He despised his father for giving him, his brother, a place back into the family. The older brother just didn't want a party. I think I agree with Paul Kofer. And notice how the father responds to his son. He says, son, you have always been with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and to be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. What is the father pointing out to his son? He was pointing out that the son who was lost was found, and that is cause for celebration. And I think the father is also pointing out here that rescuing the lost is one of God's highest priorities. I think we can often find ourselves in the elder son, One commentator puts it this way. He calls uh, those who are like the elder son religious, religionists. And he says, religionists of the elder brother type cannot realize the truth that they are not impoverished by the extension to others of God's riches and God's love. Let us hope that after this appeal, the other son also went in. You know, we're not told how this story ends. And there are a lot of unanswered questions. I mentioned that I shared some things about this parable on Facebook recently. And one of my friends sent me the following note in response. Her name is Jenny. Jenny noted this. She said, I sometimes get frustrated with the younger son because he comes back after all that time and still gets part of his brother's inheritance, even though the brother was faithful. Should he have gotten his father's unconditional love? Sure, but the older brother worked hard and kind of gets cheated in a way. Maybe I'm missing something. Well, I appreciated Jenny's comments on Facebook, and her observation is valid in in many ways. You see, we all tend to think this way when we think that when we work hard, we're more deserving of God's love. But what does Jesus teach us in this parable? He teaches us that God's love is not at all determined by how hard we work for him. Jesus also shows us that we are loved by our Abba Father because he loves us, not because of anything that we do to deserve it. So God loved the younger son even when he was at his worst and had lost everything. God also loved the elder son not because of how hard he worked, but simply because he was also his son. And the same is true for each one of us. So as I wrap up um, this brief podcast today, I just want to share with you this observation. And this is something that God has been impressing on my heart. 
it, I guess it really came to a tipping point when I was recently at the um, ragamuffin camp and made um, many new ragamuffin friends there. You see, we all were there. We all acknowledge the fact that we're messed up in some way. Uh, we all are deeply in need of God's grace and mercy. And this is what I came away with from that camp and want to share with you today. And that is this. And, it's, and we just see this so clearly in this parable. That God is crazy in love with you. And he proved his love for you by sending his son to die on the cross for you. He loves you at your worst. Some of you who are listening to this today may be at your worst right now. He loves you anyway. He loves you when you have lost everything. There may be some of our listeners who are at a point in their life when they that you have lost everything. God still loves you. It doesn't matter how messed up you are. It doesn't matter how screwed up your life is. God loves you as you are. And he proved his love by sending his son to die for you. And the final thing that I just want to share with you, and this is really the scandalous part of God's love, is that God loves you and me beyond imagination. There are times in our lives when we cannot imagine that God loves us because of something that we've done or because of where we are in our lives. But God loves you even then. Yes, God loves those people, those of you, those of us who faithfully attend church. And we do all of the right things. But he doesn't love us any more than he loves those of us who are broken. The Britneys of the world. The drug addicts. The alcoholics. The, the murderers. The, the people who have done terrible things. God loves you just as much. And I guess the question is, do you believe that? Do you believe that he loves you? If you don't, I encourage you to give, give this some more thought. Go to, find a Bible, read Luke 15. Read that parable starting in verse 11. And ask yourself the question, do I, first of all, see myself as the younger son? Am I like the younger son? Have I squandered the things that I had in life? Have I lost everything? Please remember that the father in that parable loved his son when he was at his worst, when he lost everything, when he came back home, you know, with his head drooped and, and dragging his feet and smelly because he had been living in a pig pen. I've been in pig pens, and believe me, they stink. And I cannot imagine what I would smell like now if I just came from a pig pen. But you see, the father loved the son even then. And as I said, and just to repeat as I close, 
God is crazy in love with you. And he proved his love for you by sending his son to die on the cross for you. Do you believe that? I pray that if you don't, that you may give it a little more thought and realize just how much God loves you. His love is truly scandalous. And that's what makes it so awesome. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast today. If you um, would like to interact some about the things that I've mentioned today, feel free to reach out. Uh, you can reach me via our email, which is the Hope Podcast at gmail.com. The contact information will be in our show notes. And we would love to talk with you about how you can gain a deeper understanding of the love of God. Thank you so much for listening today. Um, by the way, if you are in need of a counselor, if you're, if you're at the worst point in your life and you don't know where to turn, I just want to encourage you that there are people out there who do want to help. Um, call a counselor. In our show notes, we will have the phone number for CCEF. It is an excellent counseling ministry, and they can point you to counselors in your area. If you cannot find a counselor, but you really feel that you need one, send me an email at thehopepodcast at gmail.com, and I will do what I can to try to help you find one. Once again, thank you so much for downloading this podcast today. And we pray that God will richly bless you. And even if you are at your worst right now, we pray that you will remember that God loves you. He is crazy in love with you. And he just wants you to understand that. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good day. Jesus, don't forget that I'm still running away.